Happy day, Rosario Garcia with Y Jesus. I am hoping you are having a fabulous day, that you were able to enjoy the beautiful day. It was a beautiful day. I was able to hear um, just more people out and about. There was clear skies, beautiful sunset. It was great. Um, every time I see a sunset, I feel God's love for me. And I feel of his majestic power. And I'm grateful to know that he is in charge. Um, and that he is my father. So I'm hoping that you manage to feel special. Manage to understand that you are a child of God. And that he loves you. Um, more than you have ever known. So... Today we are going to continue with the new section of Doctrine and Covenants um, on the Come Follow Me manual. And so today we are covering the week of January 4th through excuse me, not January 4th through the 10th. And it's called the Joseph Smith History. I saw a pillar of light. And um, I am thrilled to share this with you because all of us have been in this spot. In fact, we are currently in this spot. Uh, and that is the beauty of this manual that it is going along with our current situation in the world and is teaching us how to get answers from God as to what is happening in our world and how to overcome the trials that we are facing. So, um, there's three ways that you can get a hold of this book. Uh, one, you can buy the Come Follow Me manual for Doctrine and Covenants for 2021 at a Desert Book store, or you can download the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints app um, and do a search under libraries for the Come Follow Me manual under Doctrine and Covenants and then look for the week. And the final way that you can look at this is uh, online at lds.org under libraries. Do a search for Doctrine and Covenants 2021 and find the week that we are currently on. So, and the beauty of the online version uh, and even the app is that you can put it to whatever language it is that you feel most inclined to build your spiritual strength. And so, I love that about it. And so, today's section covers... Uh, various important topics, and the first topic that it covers is called Joseph Smith is a Prophet of the Restoration. Number two, if I ask in faith, God will answer. Number three, it says, Why are there various accounts of the first vision? Number four, the first vision began the restoration of Jesus Christ's gospel. And the last one, 
I can remain true to what I know even if others reject me. So let us begin. I'm going to give you a little bit of a background on this Doctrine and Covenants book. Um, as you know, um, every time God spoke to prophets, uh, those prophets were ordered or apostles were ordered to write it. Uh, and they wrote it in various places. And at some point, uh, various scholars put all of these writings together. Um, and um, we have the, the most widely used version of the Bible is called the King James Version. And um, that has um, the books of the Old Testament by various prophets and then the books or writings of the apostles um, on the New Testament. Uh, and then God has continued to talk to prophets and apostles um, throughout the whole world, not just in the old world. He led um, two groups of people out of Jerusalem at different times, one at the Tower of Babel, and that civilization landed in the Americas, and they were called the Jaredites. They, too, wrote um, their dealings with God, uh, and then the later group came 600 years before Christ was born, um, out from Jerusalem before it was destroyed by the Babylonians. And that group also landed in the Americas, and those groups were called the Nephites and the Lamanites. And the Nephites found the writings of the Jaredites and had those translated, um, and they realized um, that they were descendants from those people as well, and they learned from their dealings with God um, a lot. And so you and I now have all those writings, the Bible, the Book of Mormon, which is the Nephite and Lamanite account of the people in the Americas, and included in that is their Jaredite uh, record as well. Um, and so every time God speaks with a prophet and an apostle, they write it so that we know what their dealings were with God and how they followed what he was commanding. And so in these last days, um, he continues to talk to prophet and apostles. And so obviously there has to be those writings um, being taken care of as he has done in the past. So those writings are compiled in this book that we call Doctrine and Covenants. And those are the dealings with God um, with the people that he called to restore the church that he once established when he walked the earth um, during the uh, New Testament times. And so, Doctrine and Covenants is called the Book of Commandments for the Latter Days. Um, and so, we're going to, um, the podcast yesterday talked about how God called the Doctrine and Covenants the preface of his 
gospel in the last days and where God was very direct and said, I, the Lord, am speaking, and this is the true and living church, and I excuse not myself. Everything I say will be fulfilled, whether by my mouth or the mouth of the my servants, the prophets. And so he's basically telling us that all of these writings are true and commanded from him. So we are going to be reading that section. And so there's a section uh, why Joseph Smith, well, because he was the prophet of this last dispensation that was told uh, what to do. And we're going to read his history as to how he got called. And so um, to begin, I am going to read the um, summary because they do such a great job out of explaining the summary. It's called Doctrine and Covenants is a book of answers to prayers. Many of the sacred revelations in this book came in a response to questions. So it is appropriate to begin studying the Doctrine and Covenants by considering the question that began the latter-day outpouring of Revelation, the one Joseph Smith asked in the Grove of Trees in 1820. And this is what he asked. I'm going to read that scripture. Let's see here. In the midst of this war of of words and tumult of opinions, I often said to myself, what is to be done? Who of all these parties are right? Or are they all wrong together? If any of them be right, which one is it? And how shall I know it? So that was what was trolling him at uh, the time that he was 14 years old. Uh, he didn't know who to listen to about uh, religion who was right, they all contradicted themselves. It was chaos, confusion, commotion, much like today. And so, um, it says here, um, had a, a war of words and tumult opinions had left Joseph confused about religion and the state of his soul. Perhaps you can relate to that. There are many conflicting ideas and persuasive voices in our day And when we want to sort through these messages and find truth, we can do what Joseph did. We can ask questions, study the scriptures, ponder, and ultimately ask God. In response to Joseph's prayer, a pillar of light descended from heaven. God the Father and Jesus Christ appeared and answered his questions. Joseph's testimony of that miraculous experience boldly declares that anyone who lacks wisdom might ask God and obtain. We can all receive, if not a heavenly vision, at least a clearer vision illuminated by heavenly light. And so in the scripture of history uh, of Joseph Smith, the last verse there says, I had now got, I had now got my mind satisfied so far as a sectarian world was concerned that it was not my duty to join with any of them, but to continue as I was until further directed. I had found the testimony of James to be true, 
that a man who lacketh wisdom might ask of God and obtain and not be upbraided. So he put that scripture from James 1, 5 to the test and he got answers uh, from God directly and Jesus Christ. So um, I haven't gotten that kind of a vision, but I have gotten answers to my prayers and I follow that same pattern. And it's true. God is ready and willing to give you answers to your prayers and concerns. Um, and so then, because everything began with this question that Joseph had, it is important to figure out who this Joseph person is. So Joseph Smith is the prophet of the restoration. Um, it says... The purpose of Joseph Smith's history was to put us in possession of facts because the truth about Joseph has often been distorted. Um, as you read, what strengthens your testimony of his divine calling? Uh, note the evidences you find that the Lord prepared Joseph for his prophetic mission. And so... I am going to read, uh, let's see here, what he said himself um, about his experience um, and, and how people were out to get him for, for saying what he said. And so says, owing to the many reports which have been put in circulation by evil disposed and designing persons, in relation to the rise and progress of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, all of which have been designed by the authors thereof to militate against its character as a church and its progress in the world, I have been induced to write this history to dis disabuse the public mind and put all inquiries after, tr after truth in possession of the facts as they have transpired in relation both to myself and the church so far as I have facts in my possession. So he wanted to set the record straight for you to hear it directly from him rather than other circulations that have no merit. Um, and so we are going to uh, read the account um, of what he went through. Um, let me see here. It's going to encompass uh, the the rest of the topics. Um, and so, let me see here. So, we're going to... Um, start where his whole confusion and what led him to this particular time where he wanted answers um, because he was concerned about the his salvation and uh, he came from a family that was very religious and so uh, others had joined churches and he had not yet and so it says here, sometime in the second year after our removal to Manchester, there was in the place where we lived an unusual excitement on the subject of religion. 
It commenced with the Methodist, but soon became general among all the sects in that region of the country. Indeed, the whole district of country seemed affected by it, and great multitudes united themselves to the different religious parties, which created no small stir and division amongst the people, some crying, Lo here, and others, Lo there. Some were contending for the Methodist faith, some for the Presbyterian, and some for the Baptist. For notwithstanding the great love which the converts to these different faiths expressed at the time of their conversion, and the great zeal manifested by their respective clergy, who were active in getting up and promoting the extraordinary scene of religious feeling in order to have everybody converted, as they were pleased to call it, let them join what sect they please. Yet, when the converts began to file off, some to one party and some to another, it was seen that the seemingly good feelings of both the priest and the converts were more pretended than real, for a scene of great confusion and bad feelings ensued, priests contending against priests and convert against converts, so that all their good feelings, one for another, if they ever had any, were entirely lost in the strife of words and con contest about opinions. I was at that time in my fifteenth year. My father's family was proselyted to the Presbyterian faith, and for them joined the church, namely my mother, Lucy, my brothers, Hiram and Samuel, Harrison, and my sister, Sophronia. During this time of great excitement, my mind was called up to serious reflection and great uneasiness, but though my feelings were deep and often poignant, still I kept myself aloof from all of these parties, though I attended their several meetings as often as a occasion would permit, in process of time, my mind became somewhat partial to the Methodist sect, and I felt some desire to be united with them. But so great were the confusion and strife among the different de denominations that it was impossible for a person young as I was, and so unacquainted with men and things, to come to any certain conclusion who was right and who was wrong. My mind at times was greatly excited. The cry and tumult were so great and incessant. The Presbyterians were most decided against the Baptist and the Methodist and used all the powers of both reason and uh, sophistry to prove their errors or at least to make the people think they were in error. On the other hand, the Baptists and Methodists in their turn were equally zealous in endeavoring to establish their own tenets and disprove all others. In the midst of this war of words and tumult of opinions, I often said to myself, what is to be done? Who of all these parties are right or are they all wrong altogether? If any one of them be right, which is it and how shall I know it? While I was laboring under the extreme difficulties caused by the contests of these parties of religionists, I was one day reading the epistle of James, first chapter and verse 5, which reads, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. 
Never did any passage of scripture come with more power to the heart of man than this did at this time to mine. It seemed to enter with great force into every feeling of my heart. I reflected on it again and again, knowing that if any person needed wisdom from God, I did, for how to act I did not know. And unless I could get more wisdom than I had, I would never know. For the teachers of religion of the different sects understood the same passages of Scripture so differently as to destroy all confidence in settling the question by an appeal to the Bible. At length, I came to the conclusion that I must either remain in darkness and confusion or else I must do as James directs, that is, ask of God. I at length came to the determination to ask of God, concluding that if he gave wisdom to them that lacked wisdom and would give liberally and not upbraid, I might venture. So in accordance with this, my determination to ask of God, I retired to the woods to make the attempt it was on the morning of a beautiful clear day early in the spring of 1820. It was the first time in my life that I had made such an attempt, for amidst all my anxieties I had never as yet made the attempt to pray vocally. After I had retired to the place where I had previously designed to go, having looked around me and finding myself alone, I kneeled down and began to offer the desires of my heart to God. I had scarcely done so, when immediately I was seized upon by some power which entirely overcame me, and I had such an astonishing influence over me as to bind my tongue so that I could not speak. Thick darkness gathered around me, and it seemed to me for a time as if I were doomed to sudden destruction. But exerting all my powers to call upon God to deliver me out of the power of this enemy which had seized upon me, and at the very moment when I was ready to sink into despair and abandon myself to destruction, to not to an imaginary ruin, but to the power of some actual being from the unseen world who had such marvelous powers I had never before felt in any being. Just at this moment of great alarm, I saw a pillar of light exactly over my head above the brightness of the sun, which descended gradually until it fell upon me. It no sooner appeared than I found myself delivered from the enemy which held me bound. When the light rested upon me, I saw two personages, whose brightness and glory defy all description, standing above me in the air. One of them spake unto me, calling me by name, and said, pointing to the other, This is my beloved son, hear him. My object in going to inquire of the Lord was to know which of all the sects was right, that I might know which to join. No sooner, therefore, did I get possession of myself so as to be able to speak than I asked the personages who stood above me in the light which of all the sects was right. For all this time it had never entered into my heart that all were wrong, and which should I join?'
I was answered that I must join none of them, for they were all wrong, and the personage who addressed me said that all their creeds were an abomination in his sight, that those professors were all corrupt, that they draw near to me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. They teach for doctrines the commandments of men, having form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. He again forbade me to join with any of them, and many other things did he say unto me, which I cannot write at this time. When I came to myself again, I found myself lying on my back, looking up into heaven. When the light had departed, I had no strength. But soon recovering, in some degree, I went home. And as I leaned up to the fireplace, Mother inquired what the matter was. I replied, Never mind, all is well. I am well enough off. I then said to my mother, I have learned for myself that Presbyterianism is not true. It seems as though the adversary was aware that at a very early period of my life that I was destined to prove a disturber and an annoyer of his kingdom. Else why should the powers of darkness combine against me? Why the opposition and persecution that arose against me almost in my infancy? Some preachers and others, other professors of religion reject the account of the first vision. Persecution is heaped upon Joseph Smith. He testifies of the reality of the vision. Some few days after I had this vision, I happened to be in company of one of the Methodist preachers who was very active in those before-mentioned religious excitement and conversing with him on the subject of religion, I took occasion to give him an account of the vision which I had had. I was greatly surprised at his behavior. He treated my communication not only lightly, but with great contempt, saying it was all of the devil, that there are no such things as visions or revelations in these days, that all such things had ceased with the apostles, and that there would never be any more of them. I soon found, however, that my telling the story had excited a great deal of prejudice against me among professors of religion, and I was the cause of great persecution, which continued to increase, and though I was an obscure boy, only between 14 and 15 years of age, and my circumstances in life such as to make a boy of no consequence in the world, yet men of high standing would take notice sufficient to excite the public mind against me and create bitter persecution, and this was common among all the sects, all united to persecute me. It caused me serious reflection then, and often since, how um, very strange it was that an, an obscure boy of a little over 14 years of age, and one, two, who was doomed to the necessity of obtaining a scantly maintenance by his daily labor, should be thought a character of sufficient importance to attract the attention of great ones of the most popular sects of the day, and in a manner to create in them a spirit of the most bitter persecution and reviling. But stranger not, so it was, and it was often the cause of great sorrow to myself. However, it was nevertheless a fact that I had beheld a vision. I have thought since that I felt much like Paul when he made his defense before King Agrippa and related the account of the vision he had when he saw a light and heard a voice 
but still there were but few who believed him. Some said he was dishonest, others said he was mad, and he was ridiculed and reviled. But all this did not destroy the reality of his vision. He had seen a vision. He knew that he had, and all the persecution under heaven could not make it otherwise. And though they should persecute him unto death, yet he knew and would know to his latest breath that he had both seen a light and heard a voice speaking unto him, and all the world could not make him think or believe otherwise. So it was with me. I had actually seen a light, and in the midst of the light I saw two personages, and they did in reality speak to me. And though I was hated and persecuted for saying that I had seen a vision, yet it was true. And while they were persecuting me, reviling me, and speaking all manner of evil against me falsely for so saying, I was led to say in my heart, Why persecute me for telling the truth? I have actually seen a vision, and who am I that I can withstand God? Or why does that world think to make me deny what I have actually seen? For I had seen a vision, I knew it, and I knew that God knew it, and I could not deny it, neither dare I to do it. At least I knew that by doing so, I would offend God and come under condemnation. I had now got my mind satisfied so far as the sectarian world was concerned that it was not my duty to join with any of them, but to continue as I was until further directed. I had found the testimony of James to be true, that a man who lacked wisdom might ask of God and obtain and not be upbraided. So, wow, what an incredible experience he had and he keeps calling himself an obscure boy of 14 or 15 years old of no significance but I am telling you even though he felt that he was not worth much God showed him his great worth because God answered the prayer to him. His concerns, his questions were important to God enough that he himself and his son Jesus Christ came to answer that prayer. Now, yes, he had been chosen as a prophet of this last dispensation, so chances are you and I are not going to get that same answer to our prayers, um, but we are going to feel it. We're going to see uh, with our heart and mind uh, the answers that he does give, give us. And it can be done in many different ways. But I am telling you, we are all important to God. He wants to answer all of our prayers. He wants to give answers to our questions. And... Just like Joseph Smith was in a time of great confusion and chaos, so are we. And we can find truth by doing as Joseph did, and that is if we lack wisdom and don't know who to pay attention to, who's telling the truth, who's not, God will 
direct us to the answers. He will help us understand what truth is. And so I am grateful for this um, example that Joseph Smith gave to us about his own recount of his experience. It is an incredible experience, but you know what? You think of all the incredible experiences in the Old Testament, the New Testament, um, in the Book of Mormon. Um, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he spoke to prophets in the old world and in the new world, um, he's going to continue doing that today, no matter what people say. He's still the same God. We have just abandoned him and have lost our way and know not where to find him. But he is out there waving the flag, going, here I am, come unto me. He's still sending messengers to give us an opportunity to find the truth and find him. We're just in too much confusion and chaos uh, and we're not listening the voice of the world seems to be louder than the, than the voice of the Spirit, but He's still out there. He's going to give us the same opportunities He gave people in the old days because we are His children. And need I um, reinforce the fact that He asked the prophets that came to this part of the world to write their experiences with God for our um, benefit. The Book of Mormon is here for us to prepare in this last days. And Joseph Smith was called to be a prophet to prepare the people in the last dispensation for the return of Jesus Christ to the earth. That is you and I. This is how much God loves us. He is trying to prepare us and trying to guide us on these very confusing times. So, Joseph said, if you lack wisdom, you need to go to God. And this section here, if I ask in faith, God will answer. Well, we have read, um, it says, have you ever lacked wisdom or felt confused about a decision you needed to make? What have you learned about Joseph Smith's experience in these verses? So you know what he did. He thought about it, prayed, pondered, went to a secluded place where he could be alone and offered a prayer. And yes, the adversary, Satan, tried to stop him from doing it because he knew God would answer. Uh, so there's opposition. When you decide you're going to pray to find God and to get answers to prayers, Satan will put all kinds of things in your way to stop you. Just warning you, that happens to all of us. It happened a lot more powerfully to Joseph Smith because um, he had been chosen as a prophet. Um, I haven't, so the opposition I felt uh, was pretty difficult for me, but I overcame. Um, and just there will be distractions 
and many things that will try and stop you from making that step. But you need to persevere and do it. Um, you will start feeling so much closer to God when you continue praying and trying to giving, getting answers to your questions. So it says, if I ask in faith, God will answer. So true. I'm going to read a few scriptures. If you remember the previous scripture from yesterday's podcast, um, Nephi, who was the son of a prophet, uh, the prophet that brought him out of Jerusalem before Jerusalem was destroyed, and they wound up building a ship kind of like Noah and coming across the waters to the American continent. Um, it says here, he uh, is telling us what he he wanted answers for himself, even though his dad was a prophet. It says, And it came to pass after I, Nephi, having heard all the words of my father concerning the things which he saw in a vision and also the things which he spake by the power of the Holy Ghost, which prior he received by faith on the Son of God, and the Son of God was the Messiah who should come. I, Nephi, was desirous also that I might see and hear and know of these things by which the power of the Holy Ghost, which is a gift of God unto all those who diligently seek him, as well in times of old as in times that he should manifest himself unto the children of men. For he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and the way is prepared for all men from the foundation of the world, if it so be that they repent and come unto him. For he that diligently seeketh shall find, and the mysteries of God shall be unfolded unto them by the power of the Holy Ghost, as well in these times as in times of old, and as well as in times of old as in times to come. Wherefore, the course of the Lord is one eternal round. So, Nephi is telling us, I had a desire to find out for myself that God is there, that God has a plan. I want to know that plan firsthand. I don't just want to believe the words of my dad. Same thing. You can do the same. Joseph Smith did the same. He needed to find out for himself. The next scripture I really, really like. Um, this one, it's kind of like, a, you know, wake up type of thing it says and it came to pass that after i had received strength i spake unto my brethren desiring to know of them the cause of their disputations and they said behold we cannot understand the words which our father had spoken concerning the natural branches of the olive tree and also concerning the gentiles and i said unto them have ye inquired of the lord and they said unto me we have not, for the Lord maketh no such things known unto us. Behold, I said unto them, How is it that ye do not keep the commandments of the Lord? How is it that ye will perish because of the hardness of your hearts? Do ye not remember the things which the Lord hath said? If ye will not harden your hearts and ask me in faith, believing that ye shall receive with diligence in keeping my commandments, surely these things shall be made known unto you. 
Nephi, their younger brother, is telling their older brothers. They're fighting because they don't understand what their father is saying. Well, have you asked God to understand? No, because he doesn't tell us. He basically calls them to repentance and says, Oh, why do you want to perish? Because you're too prideful? You don't want to ask God? Really? You know? Um, he basically says, you have to stop living the way you are and live the commandments and God will answer your prayers. you got to do something to show him you have faith in him. So, we cannot continue in a rebellious way and not living the commandments and expect God to talk to us like he would a prophet. But we need to show some humility, some willingness and change of heart and mind and saying, I truly want to know. I have a desire to know. I am willing to follow thee if I just I just need answers, please. He will if we are humble and ask him and not be like the older bro uh, brothers of Nephi. I love that. So, yes, God will answer our prayers if we ask him faith. All right, so then... Let's see here. This next part, the first vision began the restoration of Jesus Christ's gospel. It says here, Joseph Smith trusted that God would answer his prayer, but he could not have anticipated how that answer would change his life and the world. As you read about Joseph's experience, ponder how the first vision has changed your life. Um... We've read the first vision, and I can tell you that I know that what Joseph Smith experienced and how he saw God the Father and Jesus Christ and how they answered his prayers, I know that truly happened. I was not there to see it. I can only read his account but I have done as Nephi asked. I have inquired of God. I have asked him if this truly happened. And I did get an answer. The answer was not a voice speaking to me. But it was a feeling in my heart and my mind. It overwhelmed me. just like it is right now and making me feel that it was true, that it truly did happen, that God loved Joseph Smith enough to answer his prayer and that he loves me enough to answer that same question I have if it happened. And when he answered that prayer, I knew that I mattered to him. I knew I was his child. 
and that he would continue to answer my prayers and give answer to my questions. And he has never let me down since. So Joseph Smith came to tell the world that God is still there. God is still our Father. God is still listening. God still wants to help you and I and strengthen you and bless you. So Joseph Smith came to tell us once again that the heavens are open and that God still has a plan and that he's trying to prepare us for the return of the Savior and his second coming. So I sure hope and pray that you were able to feel the spirit of the first vision and know that just as God changed Joseph Smith's life by answering his prayer, he has changed my life and he can change yours and that of your loved ones. We just have to be willing to be humble and to have a true desire to know and to prepare to find a place where we can read the scriptures, think about it, pray to him vocally. I recommend uh, rather than mentally and that be prepared for opposition, but you need to persevere and go through and continue until you receive answers and he will be with you is my prayer for you and your loved ones. And so this is Rosa Garcia with Why Jesus. Until next.